As, as we start um, this morning, or this time of the worship service, uh, you know, I, I, I never am 100% sure whether as a, as a pastor or any kind of public speaking, whether it's the energy of the speaker that feeds the congregation or the crowd and congregation that feeds the pastor. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. And uh, you all, I, I've kind of always said, you guys are the, the most alert, alive, energetic 815 service uh, that I've ever been a part of. You guys are such a great start on Sunday morning. But I'm going to confess, you feel a little flat today. You, f- you feel, you feel, and I'm not sure, that's why I said I'm not sure whether I'm projecting that because I'm a little flat today. It's been a long week. Um, but, but I want to see if maybe I can kind of infuse a little bit of, of energy this morning. Uh, what I want to do is share with you some, um, some of this week's experiences at camp, but I'm not just going to stand here and tell you about it. We, we all week um, with the, the young people and, and the youth and jo- Julie and Tony and I, as we were there, we, we had our cameras with us. We took a lot of pictures. Uh, Julie got a lot of pictures. Tony and I got some pictures. And then Joe put them together in a video. If you were here last year, you remember we did the same thing. And so, because you guys are such a part of this, uh, as I said last week, and I say it very, very sincerely, these kids, we, we couldn't do this without the support that you all give. And so we want to share. So maybe this will infuse a little bit of the energy of uh, camp that we all experienced this week. So I'm just going to invite you to enjoy. Now, choir, we got a problem in the sense you can't see it as easy. So if you want to move. Um, but this is this is this week.
I will let you know that was the best chocolate pudding I've ever eaten. And it was in a can. What? Oh, it was a good can. That's all that matters. And all those pictures that you saw. Now, of course, there were some other kids that sometimes mingled in. But the stuff you saw, those were, those were our kids. In fact, the, the, the zip line that you saw right over here. These, there was two, these two young ladies coming down that zip line. And um, it was Ryan on the boat. And, uh, you know, you saw that picture of Chad and Darian in the canoe. At some point after the... We, we didn't get this, but they dumped the canoe over. Um, <laughs> Wish we really wish we had we had gotten that. Um, Pat asked me to ask, how many of you in the congregation uh, have been to Warren Willis Camp? W- did you go as count- as campers? I went as a camper. You went as a camper. We had outdoor trees, <laughs> nothing and nowhere for you. I was gonna say, I never mind. I'm not even gonna go. <laughs> not even go in there. How many others? How many others went as camp campers? Okay, a few of you went. Um, and I've told you before, uh, Lenore Stewart, if you know Lenore, who's one of our kind of pillars and, and matriarchs of the kind, um, she went as, as a guest. They, they have pictures somewhere in the archives room. They used to have them in a place we could see them of uh, the year that she went to camp, which was a long time ago. <laughs> so, and Lenore would be okay with me saying that. So um, anyway, thank you um, for the support that you give. It was um, a great week. Everybody uh, had a lot of fun. (laughs) It was funny, though. Um, Things that happen at camp. We went um, yesterday, no, sorry, Friday night. Tony and Julie and I usually worshiped with the senior high group. They did their worship service every night at at 10 o'clock. But because some of our our elementary-age children sang, kids sang in worship on Friday night at 7 o'clock with the elementary worship, we went to that service. Piper sang, let's see, and Olivia sang. Piper and Olivia sang, um, and actually you saw a picture of that as well. And um, they live stream that Friday night service. They have cameras in the, 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 the worship space. I didn't realize they were doing that. We sat in the back until I started getting texts from mothers, Bethany, um, and who saw me and saw Tony and I back there talking and were chastising me for talking during worship. So I got called out for misbehaving, and I didn't even know anybody could see. So um, I'll know next time to make sure I'm, I hide from the cameras better. Um, but, it, but it was a, a great week. But here's the thing that, that the video doesn't capture, because it's really impossible to capture. You all see a lot of the scenes of, of the, the fun and that is a huge part of camp and, and the fun activities and, and skills and, and times that these, these young people were a part of. What doesn't get conveyed as much is, is some of the focus and the intentional time that they also spend in discussion, in Bible study, in worship. I mean, you saw some of the pictures, but it really doesn't communicate unless you're there. They, they did praise time in the afternoons, um, which is not praise time for that most of you would gravitate toward. Honestly, it's loud and amped up. It's pretty awesome. It's really, really awesome. Yeah, when, and, and they dance and they just enjoy worship. And then each night, every night, they, each age group, middle school, elementary school, high school, would have their own time of worship. And then in between, there were small groups every day, twice a day. And uh, Jeremiah is our focus text this morning. We're going to get to Jeremiah in a moment. But but before I do, there was a, a text that was the, 
foundational text for the entire week of, of camp. And with apologies to our campers who were there, because I'm sure they have probably heard this enough to last a few years, um, because every time that we gathered, we opened small group with this scripture and we closed small group. Do you remember what it was? No, can't remember. That's all right. That's a tough spot to, to try to put you on the spot to memorize. I actually printed it out right here. Um, but it was, it was our focal, focus text, and it came from John chapter 15, verse 16. And this is what that text, what that scripture says. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You did not choose me, but I chose you so that you would go and bear fruit. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the context of Jeremiah this morning. But before we do that, I want to uh, invite you to, to join me for a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for memories, for experiences, for the, the joy that we can share together as a, as a community of faith. Whether the experience is ours, that we, we can share the, the opportunities that, that these young people have had this week. But may their lessons also be our lessons. May their learning be our learning. That we would be open to, to what it means to be chosen of God. And what your word speaks, what truth your word speaks into our lives about that choosing and being the people you've called us to be. We pray that you'd speak to us now in Christ's holy name. Amen. So, this idea of, of chosen and, and what it means um, to be chosen and what it means that God speaks into our lives and says to us that you are my choice, uh, appointed by me. And, and how does that play out? And what's, what is the, the implications for that in our lives? And, and I love when, when God, as God often does, is working ahead of me. And is, is already kind of laying foundations in, in things that, that, I'm, that he's placing on my heart. And what I mean is, I, I picked weeks ago that today was going to be a sermon dealing with this text in Jeremiah. I had no plan to tie that into camp, necessarily. But when you talk about the prophet Jeremiah, if you know Jeremiah's story at all, you understand that he was one that was specially chosen, that he was appointed by God for a very specific and a very intentional purpose. And we're in Jeremiah 20 today, but I want to read to you the very beginning of this book of Jeremiah, the very, um, some of the opening verses. And I, I went to a translation called The Voice, which is a, kind of a paraphrase, but I love the way that The Voice translates the words that God speaks to Jeremiah at the beginning of his ministry. And these are the words that he says. These are the words of God to Jeremiah. He says, Before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew all about you. Before you drew your first breath, I had already chosen you to be my prophet, to speak my word to the nations. 
I had chosen you to be my prophet and to speak my word to the nations. See, one of the things that, that we explored all week long in camp, that these young people explored all week in camp, that we talked about in small groups and they talked about in worship and they talked about during um, prayer stations, was the fact that, that to be chosen of God is not just something that we receive as a privilege. It is that. It is not just something that we receive as an honor, though it is that. But it is something that we understand to be a responsibility. That God's call upon our lives, God's choosing of all of us, brings with it a challenge. And that is to live that out. That our Christian faith is not simply an intellectual pursuit. That's, I think, one of the, the failures that we fall into in the church, one of our traps that we fall into, is we become so focused on Bible study, which is important, which is necessary, which is valuable. But we become so focused on study, on learning and absorbing and receiving and intellectually understanding that we forget that God's call is to go and do something. That, that when he showed up, when Jesus showed up on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he called his disciples, he gave them an invitation that implied action. He said, follow me. And the scripture said that they dropped their nets. They dropped what they were doing and they went with him. They began a journey. They began, again, and I'm, I'm stealing from the language of camp, they began a movement. And we're called to be a part of a movement. Our faith is to be lived out. You know, you've heard it said, um, the, the, f the famous quote from, it's, obvious, it's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. They said, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. That we live out our faith. And that is our call. And that's exactly what God says to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I knew you. I knew your uniqueness. I knew your giftedness. I knew the talents I had placed into you. And I have chosen you to be, to be a voice, to be a prophet, to be an agent of action, if you will. And so we, we talk about it in the church. We talk about it at camp. You know, you hear preachers preach about it. You, you study it in Bible study. And the fact is that we are all uniquely called. We are all uniquely gifted. You are made in a way that is unique, that is, that is special in how God has crafted and created and endowed you. But you're called to be. You're called to be. Be something. It may not be what Jeremiah was. It may not be a voice to the nations, but you're called to be. What is that? What are you called to be? And so the story of Jeremiah seems to, at the outset, to be a great story of, of a tremendous honor. I mean, who would not want in their life to hear God say to you or to me, I chose you. I have chosen you, and I created you, and you were endowed. I knew you before you were even born, and you have a special purpose. I can't think of anybody that would say, I don't want to hear those words. But the time would come in Jeremiah's life when he would regret that he heard those words. Because sometimes our failure in teaching is that we so endow being chosen by God with honor and privilege 
And we forget sometimes it comes at a tremendous cost. So Jeremiah's backstory, if you're not familiar with the prophet, Jeremiah was the son of a priest. Jeremiah, by all purposes, was content to live kind of an anonymous lifestyle. He wasn't seeking the limelight. He was an extremely sensitive young man. But in his lifetime and in his youth, to the, to the, um, ascended to the throne, if you will, was a king by the name of Josiah. And in his renovations of the temple, Josiah unearthed the book of the law, what we know as Deuteronomy. And he began to read and the, the teachers began to study this book that had been kind of lost, that had been forgotten about among the people. The book, God's law, which they had, which they had cast aside. And they began to study and they were convicted by their Immorality. They were convicted by their failure to be faithful to God's promise. And Josiah began reform. And he began to reinstitute the worship of God and to, turn the, to lead the people's hearts back to God. And Jeremiah got caught up in that. And got caught, he caught fire, if you will, in that. And this is the time when he hears this, this instruction of God that you are going to be my prophet. And his book would constantly repeat a, a refrain that basically says, Jeremiah says, even if I wanted to be quiet, I couldn't. It burns so deep within me, I can't not talk about it. I can't be, be, be silent. The problem is Josiah's reforms didn't last very long. And the people began to turn away from God again. And Jeremiah became the voice of accountability. That was Jeremiah's B, to be the voice to remind the people of their need to be faithful. Again, what's your B? What's the thing that God has called you to do? What has God poured into your life and that matters so deeply, that is so important, that you're so passionate about? You can't not talk about it. You can't not care about it. It can't not matter to you because that's God's anointing. That's God's passion. That's God's purpose that he has just, he's chosen you for. If you will just set about to be. And so again, going back to camp, that's what we talked about. And they had, they, they, the, the, the young people of camp, the, the young adults and the, the elementary school age children, and they talked about ways to be involved. And there was the Imagine No Malaria campaign that the United Methodist Church is a part of to try to eradicate m malaria, and they focused on that for part of the week. But at least I know with the high school group, they went to small groups, discussion groups during the week that talked about their own walk with God and the way that they lived out their faith and the way that it changed who they were or impacted who they were, but then also the ways to be involved, to, to engage the world for, on the mission of Jesus Christ. Their challenge is our challenge. I mean, what, it, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, let your light, what? Shine before men, before others, that they may see your good works and praise God. Let your light shine. James says, faith without works is dead. It's that great Protestant controversy. What does that mean? And, you know, Protestants have debated because we're saved by grace, and that is absolutely true. It's God's gift. But the evidence of our faith is what we do. Jesus says on the day of accountability, again in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, 
the, the, the criteria of judgment that God looks at is, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? You know, what do we do? That matters. And so Jeremiah set about doing. But see, here's the profound truth. Sometimes the doing comes at a great cost. Sometimes the doing, the being, is really, really hard. And Jeremiah would come to regret at moments in his life the day that he heard the voice of God. He has some really, what I love about Jeremiah is there are some just heartfelt, honest, gut-wrenching prayers in the book of Jeremiah. And that leads us to the text that I wanted to read from this morning. Jeremiah chapter 20. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it up a little bit this morning. So you can either follow if you're in your Bible or you can listen. But I want you to hear, this is Jeremiah's prayer. Now I want to ask yourself as you hear these words, the last time you heard me or any pastor or any leader stand up and pray like this. Hear what Jeremiah says. You deceived me, Lord. Verse 7. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. Hear that? You, you tricked me, God. I feel tricked. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Now, let me pause for a moment here. You've got to understand. So, so what happens is, Josiah's reforms don't last. Other kings begin to ascend to the throne and they begin to reintroduce the false worship of gods. And Jeremiah calls the people out. If you went back to chapter 7 and read his, his message, it's not light and fluffy. It is in your face. And he basically says to the people, you have changed your worship. You have come and you've made your faith all about your worship and all about the temple, and it has not changed your behavior. That's, that's my paraphrase. You're not doing the things that God's called you to do. You think you can just basically, let me put this in common modern language, you basically think you can come to church and that's enough. You basically think you can come to church and that's, that'll be it. Remember, the people believe that the temple is where God resided, where God lived. And so Jeremiah delivers a word, and he says the temple and the city are going to be destroyed. And this is what really gets him in trouble. He says it's not because of the foreign powers. God's going to do it. God's bringing judgment. And let me just say, in case there was any doubt, his words were not warmly received. His father turned against him. His brothers turned against him. His people considered him a traitor. Much of his time was spent in prison. He was beaten. False prophets rose against him. I mean, every obstacle, every challenge, every difficulty you can imagine, Jeremiah experienced it. And that's what's going on when he's praying this prayer. Let's go back. Verse 8, whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak it anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire and a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I cannot. Again, I can't not speak it, but I sure don't like where it's getting me. I want you to jump to verse 14. Cursed be the day 
I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb. With my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and an end to my days in shame? How's that for a prayer? Lord, let us pray. Dear God, we're all sorry the day we were born. That's what he says. He says, you've called me, you've chosen me, you've anointed me, and for what? This stinks. This is awful. I hate what this is doing to me. And he prays this honest, gut-wrenching prayer before God. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to, to spin it. To, it is what it is. It is a man who is just being honest from the very depth of his soul before God. Hear me say this. God can handle our honest prayers. God can handle our honest prayers. Nowhere in here does God judge Jeremiah for his honesty. Nowhere does God condemn Jeremiah for his honesty. There are times in our lives when this choice is really hard on us. The choice to be obedient followers of Christ comes at a cost. And we talked this morning in prayer time about our brothers and sisters in Mosul that are facing their lives for Jesus because they've chosen to follow him. I said, Jesus gives us an instruction. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his famous quote from The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian who was in the resistance movement against the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was for his resistance, was placed in a concentration camp, and two weeks before that liberation of that camp in 1945 was executed. One of the famous voices of the Christian. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to take up his cross and come and die. To lay it all down. And that's what Jeremiah's facing. And it's painful. And it hurts and he's scared and he's not sure what it means. The cost is tough. But there's a little segment in between the beginning and the end that I read. In the middle of the prayer, which I think is an odd place for it to be. But I want you to hear what he affirms in the middle. But the Lord, this is verse 11, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fall and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will, be never, will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. And then he goes right back into his lament. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. I don't know if you know that's his nickname. And there's a book in the Old, another book in the Old Testament that he's also attributed with writing called Lamentations. Cries. And Jeremiah goes right back into it. 
But there in the middle of this really gut-wrenching prayer, he makes an affirmation. I know in the midst of this, Lord, you're with me. Even in the midst of this, I'm going to sing out to you because I know you're here. I know your promise. But by the way, I'm going to continue to complain here for a few minutes. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, like he just kind of breaks it, uh, um, finding Nemo. Keep swimming, keep swimming. You know, that he kind of breaks into that, if you know the movie. That, that affirmation, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. But while I'm going, I'm going to keep being honest, God, and this is how I feel. And what Jeremiah teaches us, what I believe the Scriptures affirm in us, is there are times in our walk with Christ when the most important thing we can do is just hang on. Just hang on. That it's not going to make sense. That you're not going to see the the, 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 the whole path in front of you, all you can do is take the next step. All you can do in the midst of whatever you're facing, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your faithfulness, in the midst of our desire to live obedient to Christ when the world doesn't care, when the world would turn against us, when nothing is going right, is just hold on and trust that Jesus is there. Even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, even when we're not warm and fuzzy inside and feeling that burning presence of God, just hold on. You know, as, as the week progresses at camp, they, they, these small groups that we talk about, that I talked about, they're not our, our kids together. You know, the, our parish kids don't stay in a small group together. They're kids from all churches and they, they assign them. And so when, when you have that first night of, of camp, that first small group, and I know Kathy's done this and I, Julie's done this. Some of you may have done this before. But, you know, you remember that first night? They, they don't know each other. They don't, they're not talking to each other. They're feeling that out. They're finding out who they can trust and who they can connect to and who they relate to. And those first few nights, it's like pulling teeth to get the discussion going. Because they, and they don't know me and they don't know the other adult leader. I mean, there's just... They're learning to try to trust each other. By the end of the week, very often, they're, they're talking. And they're opening up and they're sharing. And they share some heavy stuff. Some of these kids are just going through some rough, rough stuff. And they begin to share and to be honest about what they're dealing with. And it can be gut-wrenching. And sometimes the most spiritual thing I can think to say to them hold on. Hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Let him hold on to you because God's with you in the midst of it. I can't tell you why. I can't make it make sense. And it's okay if you're a little ticked off and it's okay if you're asking some questions and it's okay if you're angry about it. But God chose you. Hold on. God loves you. Hold on. Jesus died for you. Hold on. Christ is with you. Hold on. Because the discouragement comes. The challenges come. And that's true for them and it's true for us. Hold on. That's what Jeremiah is doing. He's just holding on. And he does. And he does. And he doesn't quit on God and God never quits on him. But it was tough. Sometimes we have to remember that choice of God. It is a wonderful privilege. It's a gift. It's a blessing. But it comes with challenges. And the scriptures are full of that. Paul will tell you that his life certainly changed when Jesus chose him. And it wasn't always good, but it was always blessed. Sometimes the most important thing we can do is hold on. I was reading in preparation. 
I came across a journal entry. I've read in a few places that this was John Wesley's journal entry. It was written um, in June, I believe, around 1743. The, the, the year isn't exact, but it's in that the time period. John Wesley, if, again, just to remind you in case you're not familiar with the name, the, the founder of, United, of the movement of Methodism. And this is what he writes. This is one journal entry. He said, Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, the church in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, p.m., May 5th, preached at St. John's. Deacons said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, preached in St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meetings, said I could not return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of meadow as a bull was turned loose during the services. (laughs) Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Now, I want you to hear that. that's, That's not a lifetime. That's not an entire ministry. That's a month. That's four Sundays. Those are his journal entries. But he didn't quit. He didn't quit. I want you to hear the last entry. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. 10,000 people came to hear me. What would John Wesley say? What would Paul say? What does Jeremiah say? Hold on. Remember, Christ is with you. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint. Brothers and sisters, do not lose your hope. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you. For the promise of faith, the promise of your presence, and, and the ability we have to be honest with you in prayer and to know that your choice, it blesses our lives to be in a relationship with Christ, but it also calls us to radical faith. That's not always warmly received, and sometimes that makes life hard. Lord, produce in us the perseverance to just hold on, to remain faithful, and to know you are with us. Lord, give us that strength. We pray in Jesus. Amen.